Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I'm excited to preach this morning. Luke chapter 19, and I want you to turn to verse 1. Are you ready for the word this morning? Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, I want you to hear me now because this whole message is going to be about, 90% of this message is going to be about this story. And I want to speak to the saved today, and I want to speak to the unsaved. And you're watching online, or maybe you drifted from the Lord. I want you to hear the, the story of this, of this scripture. And I want you to pinpoint things of how it could be able to impact you as a Christian and as a non-believer. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Give me a little bit more of my monitor, Godwin, here. Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector. Everybody say chief tax collector. Come on, say it one more time. Say chief tax collector. Watch this. And he was rich. I want you to, I'm going to read the whole story, then I'm going to break this whole story down. And he was rich. This is important in this story. He was rich because in our modern day society, being rich feels in our day, in our time, that we don't need anything else. But how many know you could be rich and have everything and still have nothing? Money doesn't buy joy. It may buy you temporary happiness, but money doesn't buy you joy. Now, he was chief tax collector, and the Bible says he was rich. The Bible went out of its way to say he was a rich man. He was wealthy. Imagine going to the restaurant and not having to look to the right or to the left to see what, uh, what that, that thing costs, that meal costs. Imagine you could order anything you want without ever asking what the price is. Or going to a, a, a parking lot for a car dealership and just getting any car you want without saying what the price is. Well, you know that's going to be like 2000 a month. It don't matter. Imagine that, right? Some of you think you haven't made if you had that. Watch this. He was rich, yet he sought to see who Jesus was. Woo! I'm preaching. I'm having church by myself. Yet he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not see who Jesus was because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. He was a shorty. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus. For he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must stay at your house. Could you imagine that? I'm going to break that down a little bit. I must stay at your house. So he made haste. And came down and received him with joy. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone out to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. I want you to listen to this. They complained because Jesus was going to a sinner's home. I want to encourage you this morning. If you don't know the Lord and you're a sinner, Jesus wants to come to your home. He's not intimidated by your sin and he's not intimidated by your problem and he's not in, he's not he's not intimidated by your weakness he still wants to visit you if you let him he said i must stay at your house so he made haste and came down and received him with joy but when they saw it they all complained saying he has gone to be with a guest with a man who is a sinner then zacchaeus stood and said to him lord look I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house, because he is also a son of Abraham. Now, I want you to see how he sums up this story, which gives us a glimpse of the purpose why Jesus came on the earth. He's saying all this, and at the end, he says this, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save those who are lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save those who are lost. We have made church about a Christian club, which is great, and a Christian uh, 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 gathering only without having the true purpose in our heart of why we're good together. You know what Sunday service should be? It should be a battery charger for you to go back into your workplace, back to your school, back to your places of influence to be a shining, brilliant light for those who need Jesus. 
This is why Jesus came to the earth, to seek, seek, and save that which was lost. Oh, glory to God. All of us in this room are at different stages and in different phases of our life. Some of us are healthy, and we're, and we're doing good, or we're health fanatics, and that's great. Some of us are battling with sickness. All right, we're different stages in our life. We're, we're, some of us are healthy. Some of us are sick. Some of us are strong uh, physically or emotionally or mentally. Some of us are weak in this room emotionally, physically, or, 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 uh, or spiritually. We're weak. Some of you have, could go out to the movies when you want. Some of you could go out to eat every now and then. With your, with your family and, and rest, and you enjoy the leisures. And, and, and we're at different phases of our life economically and emotionally. But there's really two areas that all of humanity is summed up in, is this. There's only two areas. We may be in different phases of our life, but really there's two spiritual conditions, two main conditions of humanity in this room and throughout the world, which is this. Number one, this is going to be cut and dry, all right? Number one, either you're saved and you know the Lord. And you're following him, not just on Sunday morning. Come on, preach, Pastor George. Amen. And you know him and you follow him and he is your Lord. And he, God wants to use you to be an instrument to tell G, to others about Jesus. Or you're lost and you've drifted away from God and you need to repent of your sins and turn back to God. That's, that's it. There's two people in the world today. Those who are saved and are pursuing God with all of their heart. Or, and I, and I know that sounds like rough to some of you, it's you're lost. Some people are lost. People that have drifted away, they're lost. And this is for you. Today, I want to look at the story of Zacchaeus to illustrate, number one, God's reach. God's reach for humanity that is not prejudiced to anyone. His, his reach to a wealthy man. See, sometimes we think that God goes only after those that are down and out and broke and have nothing left. And then we just, and then we just call out to God. Praise God for that. But God goes after the rich too. God goes after those who have it together on the outside but have it messed up on the inside. God goes after those who are, have six figures also. Come on, somebody. God goes after those who live in pretty nice houses. As, as, as a matter of fact, let me pause and say this. Every one of you in this building today live like kings and queens compared to half of the world. So the fact that you're living in an apartment, you're better than most people in the world. You have to realize that or else you won't be grateful. And number two, through this story, I want you to see the great measures that Zacchaeus took to position himself to get encounter with God. So you may be watching online. You may be here and you're like, how can I get close to God? There, I'm going to share about five points of this story that will help us. And today I may uh, preach a little bit. I like to teach, but today I may preach a little bit. Can I hear an amen? So the first point I want to say is, you put it on the screen, Zach. The spiritual journey for the transformation of Zacchaeus can be applied to humanity today. I'm going to say that again. The spiritual journey for the transformation of Zacchaeus can be applied to humanity today. I want to just pause and say, the Lord changed my message in the middle of the week. I was going another direction, and in prayer, the Lord said, uh, highlighted Luke 19 for me. And I, from scratch, started just writing and praying and, and just dissecting the scripture, all right? Now, the, the, uh, here are the realities that Zacchaeus lived in. Point number one, let's put that up there. The first reality in this, this for Zacchaeus, and it's for every human today, whether you're saved or unsaved, all right? Having much in the natural, but spiritually bankrupt in the heart. Amen. And I, each, each slide you're going to see is going to be backed up by a scripture. You could have a lot in the natural and be spiritually bankrupt in your heart. And look at the scripture. It says Zacchaeus was chief tax collector and he was rich. In other words, he had a lot of money. He was wealthy. He had a lot of things that problems financially that we don't have. I mean, he, he didn't have a lot of problems that we, we don't have. Now, why do I say this? Because if a person back then did not pay their, ta their taxes, back then, even like, like today, there was a lot of strict rules for, uh, with the Roman government that was in charge of Israel at that time. And if you didn't pay your taxes, you go to jail. Or you'll be sold to slavery. Slavery. According to history. 
And so the tax collectors, what they would do, I don't, I, and it's probably nothing new today in 2017, but back in those days, they would charge people more money than they really owed so that they themselves could live a luxurious life. They were cheating people, and so the more taxes you brought in, to, the, the more the Romans loved you. But the more you got for yourself, the richer you got. So Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was chief tax collector. My boy had money. And he, and he, he was in the lifestyle of the rich and famous. He was, he would be, he was recognizable of, because of his wealth. Okay, Now, there are people today, just like Zacchaeus, who may live comfortably. Again, may uh, have the luxury to go out every week to a, a, a restaurant. Or, or may have the luxury to go out every week to a movie. Or go out to some entertainment. And most of us, most of us have the ability to do that. And it's so natural to us that it's like, yeah, well, yeah I'm going to go to a movie. Or yeah, I'm going to go to a, a restaurant. And you can have even good relationships. Forget about finances. We can have good relationships here at RCC or if watching online. You can have good friendships. But you can have all of that and still feel an emptiness inside of you. You can have all the, the cash or you could, you could have a nice house and you can have nice uh, uh, um, school system. You can have the, the pie in the sky, so to speak, or the American dream and still feel some, some loneliness inside of you. And, and the reason I say that is because Zacchaeus, in my opinion, was probably hated by a lot of people. Not because of jealousy, it's because he was robbing them from money. So Zacchaeus, watch this, I want you, I'm, a, I'm a prelude. He had a lot of money and he had a lot of stuff. See, sometimes we wish, you know what, if I just had this, things would be better. If I just had more money, not necessarily. Zacchaeus was a man that had everything in the natural, yet there was a deep emptiness in him that spawned him to try to look for Jesus. There was a curiosity in him that life has to be more than just money and wealth and cars and boats and houses and vacations. Can I hear an amen? There has to be more. And I, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I believe that he also suffered a little bit of loneliness. Why? Because you could have a lot of things and still be lonely. You know, it, can I preach for a second? You could be the most popular person in life and be the most loneliest person in life. You could be the most popular person in school and be the most loneliest person in school. You, you could be the most popular person in your job with great charisma and still be the loneliest person. Why? Because you may have all these friends around you. You may have all these finances around you. You may have a good job around you. You may have the clout from society. But deep down inside, there's an emptiness and a loneliness that you're battling with that nobody knows about. But this loneliness, in a, in a way was actually designed by God for him to feel because he created in him a vacuum and a void and a hunger to go after something authentic, to go after something that's real, to go after something. Do you understand that sometimes God allows us to dry up so that we could search for water? And it's not God punishing you. It's God giving you a revelation of yourself. And once you come to a revelation of the end of yourself, you'll find God. When you find that your finances are not really making you happy. If you don't believe me, guys, study the famous actors and movie stars that have committed suicide and have millions of dollars. Just recently, I, I, uh, somebody committed suicide that was in a very famous band. That was in the news. Robin Williams, a couple years ago, was a legend, yet he battled depression. I'm not saying this to highlight something bad. I'm saying is that money and wealth and good friends and a good position and, and all these good things that you do does not fill the void in your heart. Can I just say something really powerful too and don't get mad at me? Not even a good marriage does that. Come on, preach, Pastor George. Come on, come on, preach. Not even a good marriage does that. Not even good intimacy would do that. No, 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 it doesn't. It does not. Because without God, we are still empty, though we have a great marriage, though we have great friends. Can I hear an amen? We have to make God first place. So Zacchaeus was a rich man. He was a tax collector. And yet he was longing for something authentic. 
the first thing I wanted to share with you is that you can have much in the natural, but you can still be spiritually bankrupt in your heart, emotionally and spiritually. You can have a lot of knowledge and still be uh, empty with the knowledge of God. You can have a lot of experience and still be empty from the presence of God. There's nothing worse than a Christian that doesn't know the value of searching for the Lord. Number one, that's number one. The second reality is this, that there were limitations and challenging factors when trying to get close to God. There always seems to be limitations and factors Every time you get close to God, look at what it says. It says, he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not. Say, could not. Say, could not. Because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. I, I, listen, I, I find it interesting that sometimes it seems that right when a person says, you know what, I've been, I've been ignoring God for several years, years, and the moment, watch this, I'm prophesying to you on the screen, I'm, the moment they finally in their heart say, you know what, I'm coming back to the Lord, all hell breaks loose. There's limitations and challenges that present itself every single time a human being tries to set their heart to turn to God. Why? Because the enemy does not want you to leave his domain and his territory. So, so you will experience challenges, some, watch this, sometimes which is out of your control. It's out of your control, which means no matter what you do, it's still going to happen. And the Lord wants you to see it's still going to happen, but how are we going to respond to that? There's things that you necessarily don't do, but there's things that are going to come to you that are out of your control that is geared to steer you away from the path of Jesus. It's, it's geared to that. Why? Because Zacchaeus had a couple of major challenges when he decided to, to, to turn to God. Are you ready for them? Zacchaeus, and this is spiritually symbolic for you and for those who are watching, for those who don't know the Lord, there's challenges right before you turn to God. Are you hearing me? One of, the, one of the challenges that Zacchaeus had before, hear me now, when he decided, you know what? I want to see this Jesus even though I'm rich. I, there's, a, there's something about that man that I hear that I need Although I'm richer than anybody else, I could buy whatever I want. I have a three-piece suit all the time. There's something missing in my life. And Zacchaeus had challenges. Say challenges. You know the first challenge was? The crowd. Don't let me preach good this morning. He said he tried to see Jesus, but he could not see Jesus because of the crowd. Say crowd. Crowd is prophetically, prophetically symbolic of the influence and friends and the worldly crowd that's around you that is continually pulling you back and fighting you for temptation to go back to that old lifestyle. There's some people that want to get close to Jesus, but they can't because of the crowd. Because of the crowd of the world, because of the crowd of the influence, because of the crowd of the music, because of the crowd of the entertainment, because of the crowd of the money, because of the crowd of the success, because of the crowd of the world. He could not see Jesus because of the crowd. There are crowds that are limiting you from coming to Jesus. And that's a challenge that you and I have to face. If you want to turn wholeheartedly to God, you got to recognize who is my crowd. Who is the crowd? Come on, I'm preaching good this morning. Who, who is rolling with you? Who is around you? Who is, who, where is that battle? Why do you feel that battle? Why? Because one, pe one or two people are saying, you need Jesus. And in your heart, you know you need Jesus. But there's three, four, five, six, seven, probably more people that are saying, come to the crowd. Come with what's popular. Come what's popular. You know what Jesus said? Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. That means a lot of people go that way. A lot of people go that way. He says, but narrow is the way that leads to life and very few find it. And in the natural, that broad place, that broad road looks really nice. But the end is death. And I'm going to give you a prophetic picture. The narrow road looks ugly and it looks unappealing. But the end is beautiful. You just don't know that going in. You just don't know that going in. So, so Zacchaeus had to fight the crowd. Say the crowd. Some of you need to fight the crowd because it's stopping you from coming to Jesus. 
I'm going to be real with you guys now because I love you. Some of your crowd is your relationships that you're in. Some of you is your friendships that you have. They're constantly, when are you going to break away from negativity? I got three amens. When are we going to really say, here's the problem. I think the church is waiting for them to, Lord, if this is you, Lord, let them leave and move so I don't have to do it. <laughs> a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So if you continue with the, that crowd, it's going to bring you right back into darkness. The second challenge that, that Zacchaeus had from coming to Jesus was his reputation. Woo! It was his reputation. What do you mean reputation? Because he was a rich man. Not only was he rich, people hated him. So for him to be in the public eye in front of people that he knew he robbed from, he didn't want to be seen. So that was a challenge. See, let me tell you something. There's things that are challenges in your life because of the fact that your reputation is stopping you. You know what's a good word? A good old-fashioned word for reputation? Your pride. Zacchaeus had to let go of his pride in order to see Jesus. Why do you, why, Pastor George, why do you say pride? Because it takes humility to run frantically in a three-piece business suit up a tree to see Jesus. Imagine, imagine the Wall Street guy in New York. Imagine uh, the people that, are, that you look up to or you see that are financially stable in politics and you see them frantically with a tie swirling, running in a sharp suit or a sharp dress and they're running frantically just to get a glimpse of Jesus. You need humility and you need to strip yourself from pride. But, if, but Zacchaeus knew one thing. He had the crowd he had to face. He had his own reputation and he didn't. You, can I preach for a second? You have to get to a place where you don't care about your reputation anymore. That means even if it, it makes you cry until boogers come out and people see you, it doesn't matter. It, it means maybe that you're, you're crying out and your mascara is running down your face and you look like a raccoon. Who cares? If you care about your reputation, you're like, I'm not going to cry. I'm going to have it all together because I don't want people to see me. Forget what about people see you. You need to have a healthy dose of desperation. And hungry. Because, listen, hungry people do desperate things. Sometimes hungry people do desperate things that they don't normally do when they're satisfied. That's why Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, they shall be filled or satisfied. Have you ever seen those movies or those shows that I love, the Man vs. Wild, and the dude is out in the, in the jungles or they're in the desert, and they're eating lizards and snakes and scorpions? And you're like, ew. You're like, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm like, ew. But you know what? You won't even think twice if you haven't eaten for like 14 days. That, that little lizard will be a steak to you, man. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to eat you. I'm going to put some sauce on you. And I'm going to eat you, lizard. <laughs> you know why? And I'm not trying to be funny. It's because hungry people do desperate things. And when you're hungry and you're desperate, you know what automatically leaves you? Your ability to try to keep yourself together. You'll let the mascara fly. You'll let the tears go because you're desperate. There's some people here today that are desperate. And I'm, I'm giving you permission to let it go. Be desperate. Be hungry. Don't allow your reputation and your pride to stop you from taking a glimpse of Jesus. You know the third thing that was a, a challenge for, for Zacchaeus? So not only the crowd, not only his reputation. Are you ready for this? He was short in stature. He was a shorty. Someone said amen. No, 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 no. watch, watch. Gus said amen. Now, now why do I say this? Why do I say he's short? Why do you say that's a limitation? Because the Bible says he tried to see Jesus, but he couldn't because of the crowd and because he was short. That means God identified his stature as a challenge to see Jesus because the crowd was so much higher than him that, watch this, that his stature prevented him. Now, why, why are you just focusing on stature? Is that, I'm, I'm not focusing on that. I'm focusing on the next thing, which is this. It's something that he was born with and that is out of his control. Look at me. There's some challenges in your life that you can do nothing about and they're out of your control and they're out of your territory and there's nothing you could do about it because either you were born with it or there's consequences that are happening in your life that you didn't initiate. Like a death of a loved one. Like a family member speaking bad to you and yet you're serving God but yet they're still hammering you away or someone cutting you off that you used to love. 
There's certain things that are out of your control. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit here. People talking bad about you, and yet you're serving God, and you're reading the Bible every day. Zacchaeus couldn't say, body, grow five more inches. He had no control of his stature, and yet that was stopping him from seeing Jesus. There are some things that are out of your control that I hear the Lord saying, if you don't just let it go, it's going to stop you from seeing Jesus. Don't let that death of the family, don't let that breakup, don't let that friendship that moved away stop you. Some things are out of your control. And you need to know that it's out of your control because that's liberating. Because that, if it's out of your control, guess what that means? Ready? You can't do anything about it. Other than responding by faith so that you won't get your joy by that circumstance but through the Lord. Say amen. Come on, say amen. There's certain realities that we have to live with with the rest of our lives. Like people hurting you. Family members uh, uh, not speaking to you. It got quiet up in here. Someone backstabbing you that you trust. See, whenever it's quiet, the Holy Spirit's speaking. Watch this, watch this. Everybody say, but. But pain, adversity, trials, and tribulation have a way to ignite a pursuit of God. And that's why God allows us sometimes to, 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 to experience that pain because it allows us to see I am desperate and it produces a hunger to go after something authentic. Oh, come on, church. How do I get that? Verse 3 says he wanted. Say wanted. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He wasn't forced to see Jesus. Some of you are forced to be at church. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to. Even though he was rich. Even though he had it all. Even though he could go to the best clothing store and get whatever he wanted. Woo! I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Spirit here. Trials and tribulation will naturally birth a desire in you to begin a frantic and desperate search for hope. Can I hear an amen? The third thing. That, I want to, that was a reality in Zacchaeus' life. Are you, are you getting something? I'm talking about one more soul here. Oh, by the way, let me pause and say, this whole time Zacchaeus is not saved. Okay? So check out what he's doing. Check out what his resistance is to get to God. He wasn't saved. And yet look at the things, the obstacles that are presenting itself to him. All right? Look, look at this. Letting go of pride, number three. And being willing to go to great lengths to seek Jesus. This is a reality of, of Zacchaeus. Letting go of pride. Say, letting go of pride. And being willing to go to great lengths to see Jesus. Now watch this. I'm going to preach a little bit here. The Bible says in that, the, that verse, in verse 4, He ran ahead of the crowd. Oh boy, that could preach. He distanced himself from the crowd. He made a decision. I'm no longer flowing with what's popular. And he ran ahead, in my imagination, in the, in the 2,000 year ago version of uh, the best attire in the land. He had the best attire in the land as a rich man. And he went above the crowd. He separated himself he made a decision, I want to separate myself from worldliness, and I'm going to, I'm going to let go of pride, and I'm going to go to great lengths to see Jesus. Why do I say that? Because Zacchaeus got to a point, are you ready for this? That he was tired of smiling in front of everybody and crying in front of nobody. He got tired of faking it. You know, the whole, this whole thing say fake it till you make it. I don't really, I, I understand that we have to have faith. Let's just call it faith. Let's not say fake it and you make it because God won't heal what you fake. God will heal what you're real. What's really happening in your life. And so Zacchaeus was tired of smiling in front of everybody because he had it together. He had to have it together. He was a businessman. He was a, a worker. He was a tax collector. But he was smiling in front of everybody. And at home he was crying in front of nobody. And you get to a point where you're tired of smiling in front of everybody and crying in front of nobody. And it causes you to do something desperate for God. To search things. I mean, to search in and out for freedom. 
And in Zacchaeus' case, freedom just happened to be passing by in the form of the Son of God. Do you know history states that Jesus probably didn't go that many times to that exact location. And yet Zacchaeus, a short man, had to uh, be there at just the right time, at just the right place for to get encountered to God. Now, and I want you to see something about the tree. Because I, I want to say something about the tree. I, I want if, uh, if our worship team could get up here, if uh, our worship team of uh, Edwin and, and the team could get up here. The sycamore tree is not like the tree that we, we know nowadays in America where it's, where it's big and tall or American. You know what? Are you, are you ready to shout for a second here? The sycamore tree was, per, was from the mulberry family. And if you know anything about trees, the sycamore tree was usually planted nine times out of ten on purpose near the roadside or near sidewalk. Watch this. It was on purpose planted by the roadside because of its root system. And, everybody say and. The sycamore tree was one of the only trees that had low limbs. Low limbs. Low stature limbs. That was easy for a person of low stature to climb if it needed it the only tree that had big long branches going downwards and then upwards was a sycamore tree the sycamore tree had low branches strong low branches that was easy enough for a person to climb why do i say this because i believe that it just very interesting that there just so happens to be a tree with low branches for a low stature dude at the right time at the right place right when the tree and Jesus were about to intersect for the first time why do I say that because the tree symbolizes the vehicle come on somebody the vehicle that is used to get people to get a better glimpse of Jesus many of you that are saved are the sycamore tree to the Zacchaeuses in your job. The sycamore trees to the, to the Zacchaeuses in your family. Listen to me. Listen to me. I, I know this sounds real preachy what I'm about to say. But I have an opinion. It's okay to have opinions. I have an opinion that the sole purpose of that, that sycamore tree... That sole purpose of that tree was to be planted by somebody to be right on the roadside because God knew several years after that tree was planted and it was grown that there would be a rich young man. There will be a rich man who had it together outwardly but was destroyed inside that would need help. Help to be an instrument to climb up that tree. If, if the tree could talk, it says, the whole purpose I'm here is this one rich man one day is going to climb up me, and they're going to see Jesus because of me. You and I, as Christians, are that sycamore tree. We have to get to a place where we lower ourselves to the place where we're not so high and mighty as Christians so that other people in our sphere of influence could spiritually climb us to get a better look at Jesus. All we are is an instrument. All that tree did, listen, without, can I just be honest? This story would not be complete without the sycamore tree. The sycamore tree was there to get Zacchaeus to climb it so that he could see, see Jesus better. Who in your life, or even you, are you noticing that needs your words and needs your obedience and needs your hug, needs your smile, needs your prayers to be that sycamore tree to point people to Jesus because of the crowd that they're in, because of the statue that they're in, because of the condition they're in. The sycamore tree didn't say, hey, you're rich, you can't climb up with me. He says, no, go ahead, I'm low on purpose because of you. Why do I say that, guys? I know this sounds preachy, but you and I are the spiritual sycamore trees. And we have not been in a place or a position where we allow people to introduce, encounter us so we could point them to Jesus. When's the last time that you encountered somebody and you pointed them to Jesus? You being the vehicle. God wants to use you as the vehicle to point people to Jesus. And listen, not to their problems. Can I hear an amen? Not to their problems. Say a vehicle. Well, I feel the Holy Spirit. And number four, four and five are going to be really good. 
If you're taking notes, look at number four. This is the fourth reality that Zacchaeus had. This is so beautiful. Jesus goes after the ones that others reject. Watch this. And calls them by their name. People who have drifted from the Lord, they no longer hear your name being called, their name being called because of their guilt and their shame. And so they continue in a spiral of hardening and, and, and a dark path because of the fact that they've stopped talking to God or they've opened their lives to such compromise that they feel like, you know what, I am so deep into darkness. I'm so ashamed of myself. I used to go to church. I used to love the Lord. Now I'm so drowned with this compromise in, in my mind and my habits that I don't feel like going to church anymore. Look, look at this. Look at this. He calls us by name. Say, he calls me by name. Look at me for a second because I'm going to hit something really powerful. He just doesn't call the Christians by name. He calls Zacchaeus by name. Can I just pause and say something a little historical here? Jesus and Zacchaeus never hung out. Hello? They have coffee together. They're like, oh, that's my boy Zacchaeus. Come down. I, I see you, Zacchaeus. You're my boy. Come down. He never met him. But God knew something that Zacchaeus didn't do. Can I say something real quick? A lot of people say, I found Jesus. And I understand that. We need to, to, we need to have that verbiage because your eyes were enlightened to Jesus. But the reality was God was never lost. It's like, where's Jesus? You're lost somewhere, Jesus. Come here, come here. Oh, lost Jesus, where are you? I'm going to find you. Zacchaeus... The only reason that he wanted to go up that tree was to just get a glimpse of Jesus. He wasn't ready for what he was about to encounter. He's just going up in the crowd, and he's going up to that tree. He's like, look, I just, I'm so busy in my life, in my tax collecting business. I just want to get a glimpse of this man. I just want to just get above the crowd and just look at him, see what he's like. But Jesus, what he didn't know is what he wasn't really searching for Jesus. Jesus was searching for Zacchaeus. Because Zacchaeus was up on the, on the sycamore tree. And Zacchaeus' hunger and desperation drew something out of Jesus. And Jesus looked up. Watch this. And he looked up and he called him by name. A sinner by name. Zacchaeus, come down. Today, i got to go in your house. Now, I know that sounds rude to the normal person, and it would be if I said that. Hey, come down. I'm going to go eat in your house today. I'm, I'm inviting myself. That would be rude if I did it. That would be rude if one of us did it. But Jesus is not an ordinary man. He's a son of God, and he said, come down, watch this, for I must go to your house. Why? 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 Why house? Why not? Let's go aside somewhere. Because vision, the, the vision of Jesus was to get not only Zacchaeus saved, but his whole house saved. He goes, I got to go to your house because there's people that don't know me. And because of your faith, salvation is going to come to your house. Salvation is going to come to your house. Do you remember the jailer when Paul and Silas, come on, you know, you know the Bible, when Paul and Silas were in prison and they were all chained up and they were guarding them and at midnight the, that, 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 that praise and worship erupted and the earthquake came and the Bible says all of the chains of the prisoners were set free and so when that jailer came up in the morning and saw every of those doors open, he got a, a, a sword and was about to kill himself because he's like, the warden's going to kill me so I might as well kill myself. Can you imagine if you're a guard at a, at a high security facility and you wake up and every prisoner gate and every prison is open because you fell asleep? As he was about to kill himself, the Bible says Paul cried out and said, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Here's, here's prisoners and convicts. That, uh, uh, some of them are convicts. Some of them are just prisoners because they're worshiping the Lord. And they're just sitting there with every ability and right to walk out that prison, and they don't. And the jailer was about to kill himself, and, the, and Paul said, don't kill yourself because we're all here. He says, what must I do to get saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. You and your house, you and your house shall be saved. Zacchaeus, come down. I got to go to your house. I got to go to your house. Jesus wants to go to your house. 
He's not just interested in saving you. He, save, he wants to save your mom. He wants to save your dad. He wants to save your brother. Yeah, that one that gets on your nerves. He wants to save them. Woo. He wants to save them. I need to go to your house. Come on, say house. He's still calling you by a name. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't forgotten about the Christian. He hasn't forgotten about the backslider. And he hasn't forgotten about the sinner. He's calling the sinner by a name. He talked about backslidden Israel. He says, I got you. I, I got you in my, in my hands. Look, look, look at Isaiah. Look, look what it says real quick. Are you feeling the Holy Spirit this morning? Isaiah 49, look at verse 14. If you're there, say amen. If you're there, say amen. Come on. Zion said, the Lord has forgotten about me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Trials and tribulation has a way to give you spiritual amnesia. When you go through trials and tribulation, all of a sudden, you think God forgot about you. Come on, let me preach good this morning. All of a sudden, you thought God forgot about you because of your trials, because of your pain. God is not there for me. God is not here. Where is he? He's still there. Zion said, the Lord has forgotten about me. And the Lord has forgotten. Keep going. Look at the next verse. Can a woman, ladies, you can answer this. Can a woman forget her nursing child? What? Can a woman, this is God's response to Zion forgot about me. In other words, God, you forgot about me. That, this is God's response. Oh, really? I forgot about you? Can a nursing woman forget her child? Watch this. And not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I. Oh, God, I feel the Lord. Yet I will not forget. The Bible even says that the woman may forget. I, I've never seen a woman forget a nursing child. But even the Bible says, even they're human. Even they can forget. But I will never forget. Watch this. Are you ready? Are you ready to shout with me? What did he do to Zacchaeus? Guys, come on. What did he do? He called him by what? He called him by what? He called him by what? A sinner by his name. See, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hand. Woo! Your walls are continually before me. Do you know that there is 8 billion people on the face of the earth? The Bible says even to backslidden Israel, he had their names on his hand. Don't think that your problems is so great that it will cause an infinite God to bump his head and have amnesia and forget about you. You may not see a breakthrough yet, but he hasn't forgotten about you. As a matter of fact, he's waiting you to come to the prodigal son because there is no mention in the prodigal son story. Hear me now. There's no mention in the prodigal son story that the prodigal son had this great encounter with God. Listen, Paul the apostle had a great encounter with God. Imagine you on, on I-4 driving and all of a sudden a big light shows and it knocks your car into the curb and your car can't drive anymore and there's a big light in front of you saying, I am the Lord. Who, who wouldn't get saved then if you didn't there's a problem with that why do I say that because it's easy to come to the Lord when you have an encounter like that it's easy to come to the Lord when the lightning hits and the thunder's flashing and an angel appears to you and say come you're gonna be like yes oh my god but how about the prodigal son the prodigal son, there was no mention that there was this big, gigantic encounter. But the Holy Spirit behind closed doors was wooing him. Watch this. What made the prodigal son return? Are you ready? Here's a lesson. His own barrenness. He, the Bible says he got to a point where he was eating with pigs and he liked it. He liked it. And he came to himself. Listen, without lightning, without Jesus standing in front of him, without an angel, without a big, huge encounter, he said, What? have I done with my life that I love this pig's food and I desire it the Bible says he came to himself he came to himself and said what is wrong with me something is wrong with me and you know what the Bible says listen not an angel not even the Lord now he said I'm gonna turn around and I'm going to go to my father's house, and at least I will eat better than eating with the pigs. Even though I'm not worthy to be a son, I'm going to go back. I'm going to face the shame. I'm going to face the consequences, but I just want food. His own desire was, I just got to eat better. You know the story. After he decided to turn, his father looked from afar off and ran to him. 
ran to him. All God is waiting for is a decision for you to turn. He's still calling you by name, and he doesn't forget your pain. He, I, I, I want to say this. He does not forget where you are in life right now. He doesn't forget where you are in life in your workplace. Some of you are working 50, 60, 70 hours a week. That's not living because you're making money, but it's at the expense of your relationship with God. And we become workaholics instead of the presence of God, followers of the presence of God. Listen to me. I'm almost done. It's almost done. The last thing. He calls us by name, the last thing. Are you ready? Here's the last thing. The result, this is the last factor. The result of salvation is a changed lifestyle. This may sound simple, but I want you to hear me. The result of, a, of salvation or returning to the Lord is a change, completely changed lifestyle. Does it mean that you're perfect? No. It means that you don't do what you did anymore. How do you know if you're saved? If you're still doing, getting drunk all the time, if you're still uh, without restraint doing the habits that you used to do in the world, if you're still cheating on people re uh, religiously all the time, if you're still having sexual fornications without repentance, I seriously doubt your salvation. Because the Bible says, hear me now, you may think that this is uh, hard, but I'm going to tell you scripturally, the result of salvation is a changed life, not just a little, I'm going to get in trouble here, not just a little sinner's prayer that we say at the altar, just to get it quickly done so that we can say we got fire escape from hell. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. There's people, can I just be honest with you guys? Five more minutes. The reason why some people come to the Lord is because they want to escape their pain, not to follow Jesus. There's some people that come to the altar because they're in excruciating emotional pain. And they say, God, take this pain away from me. But don't ask me to follow you and give up my old lifestyle. Just give me a quick fix. Heal my emotional heart. But don't ask me to follow you. Let me tell you something. You want true freedom? Salvation is a result of a changed lifestyle. Because Jesus demands fruits. And for us to demand fruits and produce fruits of repentance. Look at this. Last scripture, Corinthians. Put that scripture in Corinthians up. And we're almost done here. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 9. I'm almost done. Are you getting, is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Look at this. Paul says, I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. Your sorrow led to repentance. Watch. For you were made sorry, watch this, in a godly way. Godly sorrow produces fruit. Right? Godly sorrow. Say godly sorrow. He says, you were made sorrow in a godly way that you might suffer loss from, us nothing, from, from nothing. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. Godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted. Watch this. But the sorrow of the world produces death. I'm going to close in here. Look at this. Many theologians say that verse 8, many theologians and historians say that verse 8, look at, put verse 8 of Luke 19, was after Jesus spent time with Zacchaeus, talking to him in his house. Many, because the, the Bible, the Bible from one verse to the other, he says this, I'm going to come down to your house, and the very next verse he says, Lord, watch this, look, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone falsely, accusation, I will restore fourfold, fourfold. In other words, the result of salvation is a changed lifestyle. Why was Zacchaeus willing to give four times the normal amount? Because he just got an encounter with Jesus, which led him to be convicted, which led him to make wrong things right with people that he did wrong with. Salvation changes your heart. And Zacchaeus said, Lord, because of my encounter with you, all the people that I stole from, come on, Pastor George, all the people that I hurt, all the people that ripped me off, all the people that I secretly charged them more money, I'll restore them, not twice, not three times, four times the amount. Why? Because God is after a changed heart, not just a little prayer. He's after lordship of your heart, not just Savior. If you only know Jesus as a healer and not as Lord, then you've missed the whole Godhead. If you only see Jesus, the one that takes away your pain, and not you surrendering wholeheartedly to God, then you've missed the whole purpose of being saved. 
You're not saved just so God can take away pain. You're saved so you could follow Him. And today, I want you, I want you to close your eyes for a second. In this room today and watching online, you're either two people. Today, most of you in this room, you're the sycamore tree that God is knocking at your door and you're in calling you to be an instrument where people that are hurting and that people that, are, that have uncontrollable circumstances in their life can look to you for you to be an instrument and a vehicle to point people to Jesus. The sole purpose of the sycamore tree was to stay there, be low enough for a person that was kind of handicapped in stature to get up to see Jesus. The Lord is saying, I want to go to your house today. And if I want to go to your house, will you be that sycamore tree for me that, that the other person in your job or your family or your loved ones could benefit from you so that you could point people to Jesus? Or there's people watching online or there's people here in this room today that you're backslidden and you're like Zacchaeus. You had it all together at one time and you've seen it all crumble. You have friends and you, you have loved ones and you have, you have a steady job, but yet you're empty on the inside. Are you willing to go the extra mile to, say, to, to take away your pride and your reputation to get a glimpse of Jesus, to get an encounter with Jesus? Or as Christians, are we so selfish about our, ne our next calling, our next open door that we forget our responsibility to be light in the world? I want everyone to stand up. Come on, I want everyone to stand up. And we're going to sing, we're going to sing the song. And, I, and in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to examine your heart. Because in here, there's people that may need to be saved. People that are watching online, they may need to be saved. I want you to keep it rolling. Keep that camera rolling. I want you to lift up your hands right now. And I want you to search your heart. Zacchaeus had to do some things out of the ordinary to position himself to get to God. God is saying, I want to go to your house today. What will you do? Will you let him in? Will you be that sycamore tree to somebody? Or will you be that Zacchaeus that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget about my reputation and I'm going to do something drastic today to turn my heart to the Lord. Come on, lift up your hands. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.